night, it was uh, interesting that the phone got left on and the mic was live, so some of you were able to hear the discussion we had about leavening and so on after Bible study ended. I thought it was a very good discussion, and uh, one even remarked that she felt like she was here, just hearing it back and forth as we were talking. So that was good. Well, last night we started in chapter 12 of Exodus and uh, see or saw the instruction that God gave Moses and Aaron uh, about what was about to transpire. Now, this message was not given to all of Israel yet. It was only given at that point, the beginning of the chapter, to Moses and Aaron. In a few minutes we're going to get into uh, when they told the elders of Israel about it, and then the story is somewhat repeated, and repetition is good because it emphasizes some of the things that we were talking about last night. I want to go back to verse 18. We quit, I think, at the beginning of 19. Here it says, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at even, that is the beginning of the 14, as we saw very clearly in Leviticus 23, how God counts the day. Into the ninth, uh, sundown the ninth, the tenth begins. And the same is true of the fourteenth. Into the thirteenth at sundown, and the fourteenth begins then at that sundown. So it says here, in the first month, from the fourteenth day at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even not including the 21st day, but until the beginning of the 21st, even at the end of the 20th. Saint counting the same way. Now, there's a direct statement in here I really like. He's giving the time parameters, and he says, You shall eat unleavened bread starting on the 14th. Why didn't we ever see that? We waited till the 15th. Well, we had it at Passover, but we didn't do it through that day. Here he's saying, do it on the 14th. If you have Passover at the beginning of the 14th, and here you're eating leavened on the 14th through the 20th until the beginning of the 21st. That's seven days. Then he says that in verse 19. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eats that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. So you're not to have leavened products in your houses because the eating of that cuts you off. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitation, shall you eat unleavened bread. Now, we're going to see that bread is certainly implied here, whether it's in the Hebrew or not, because a little later on here it talks about dough. <laughs> and that dough is bread, bread dough. So when it talks about not eating leavening, it means unleavened bread. Again, Christ was the bread of life, and he served unleavened bread, picturing his body uh, during the days of unleavened bread. So, 
The simple answer to the whole question of leavening and unleavened bread is that the whole subject is bread. Leavened products, things that have risen. I say bread, that could include pancakes and donuts and, and uh, any leavened product. But as we discussed last night, you don't leaven turnips or, or uh, apples or orange juice. In fact, George was sitting here and drinking water out of a bottled water jar. So we read the ingredients, and it has what? Bicarbonate of soda, something. So bicarbonate of soda. So I told him he needed to make a mark on that bottle last night and see that if during the night that bottle got fuller, if that bicarbonate of soda made it rise. It's not the days of unleavened water. It's the days of unleavened bread. I wonder if everybody threw out their dog food and their cat food and their toothpaste. I do not eat dog food. I do not consider dog food human food. And uh, I don't feel that it qualifies as something that has to be thrown away. We never did throw out half our kitchen cleansers, did we? Bicarbonate of soda is one of the main ingredients of many, many different household cleansers and soaps because it has a cleansing quality to it. And, uh, you know, where are you going to draw the line? It's the days of unleavened bread. So very clearly. Uh, so... That's the end of the statement to Moses and Aaron. Verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, so he's going to repeat what God has told him and Aaron, uh, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. Now, that's Moses uh, instructing them, and he told them to stay in until morning. I don't think, I don't remember seeing where God said stay in until morning. God had said, or Christ had said in chapter 11, that uh, he would come through at midnight and kill the firstborn. Uh, but I don't remember seeing anything in there. Maybe there is something there. I don't think God said, don't come out until morning. I think Moses instructed them that way because he didn't know exactly how things were going to go. But he knew there would be a great outcry at midnight when Christ struck the firstborn dead. If anybody sees a place where God said that, I'd like to see it. I, I skipped over it if I or didn't. Noted if I read it. Anyway, he he told them, "Don't go out till the morning." Of course, that has been interpreted a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. Uh, let's see, verse forty-two. I have a a note in my Bible here. Uh, Verse 42, it is a night to be much observed unto the eternal for bringing you forth out of the land of Mitzrayim, 
This is that night of the eternal to be observed of all the children of Israel. So the night to be observed was the night he brought them out. And the cry went out at midnight, and they were thrust out immediately. So the 14th is the night to me much observed. It was the night they killed the Passover. It was the night uh, the firstborn were killed. It was the night uh, that they were thrust out and had to leave immediately. It was the same night that Christ gave Passover to his disciples. Same night he gave them their final instructions. Same night he was taken and tortured. Same day he was killed. Everything that was truly important happened on the 14th. So we kept the 15th like the Jews. The Jews aren't God. God's Word is God's Word. Uh, okay. Then he tells them in verse 23, For the Eternal will pass through to smite the Mitzriamites, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Eternal will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. So that blood meant something. It meant you lived instead of died. Just as Christ's blood means we can live instead of die. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. This thing, what thing? Being spared from death. That's the subject there. We're to observe the Passover, or salvation from death, uh, our sins forgiven by an ordinance forever. And we still do, don't we? But that was the night that he said back in verse 14 was an ordinance forever. So here he's repeating that it was the 14th. That was the night that they put the blood on the doorposts. That is the ordinance you observe forever. And if the ordinance in verse 14 is the same ordinance he's talking about here, then the feast and the holy convocation apply to the same day. Can't get around that. It's there. 25, And it shall come to pass, when you become to the land which the Eternal will give you, according as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. And they kept that service right after they entered the promised land. Read Joshua 5. It says that they kept the Passover that year uh, when they crossed the river. And then they circled Jericho on the days of unleavened bread, and God caused the walls to fall on the seventh day. So there is a type of what had occurred coming out of Mitzrayim. They came out the first night, they journeyed for seven days, and then they crossed the Red Sea the seventh day. So Jericho fell the seventh day. So God did miracles both at the Red Sea and at Jericho on the seventh day of unleavened bread. Seventh day is a sign of deliverance. This is the fifth day, isn't it? Just beginning the fifth day. So the seventh day is only two days away. All right, verse 26. 
And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say to you, What mean you by this service? Now, all this hadn't been said to uh, Moses and Aaron, or if it had been from God to them, it wasn't recorded. But he's adding things here that he at least said to the elders, whether or not God had specifically instructed it or not, uh, is we don't know. But certainly this instruction was given. And he was referring back to the ordinance that God had told him and Aaron about as he explained this. So what do you mean by this service, verse 27, that you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Eternal's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. So very obviously here... uh, it was the same night as the Passover. That's the night they were passed over and allowed to live. And he smote the Ephraimites and delivered our houses, did not kill our firstborn. So that is the ordinance that is to be kept forever on the 14th. Not just the Passover service. That's all we ever did, wasn't it? And worldwide, years ago, that's all we did was the Passover service. We didn't remember the rest of this stuff that night. Everything that happened to Christ later on in the New Testament that night and, and on the morrow, the, second, the daylight par- portion of it. Okay. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Eternal had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. So they killed the Passover. And it came to pass that at midnight the Eternal smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive uh, that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. So from the bottom to the top of their society, including whatever few cattle were left, uh, had the firstborn killed. And Pharaoh rose up in the night... Well, when did the cry come? The killing occurred at midnight. So he didn't wait till 5, 6 a.m. He heard screaming and crying, and he heard screaming and crying in his own house. So he got up immediately. If he was asleep at midnight, and he heard a wail and a scream, he was standing straight up with his hair going six different directions immediately. So this is, this is an immediate thing. There was a great cry in Mitzrayim, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. If you had two or three generations living in a house, there could have been two or three dead in one house. But there was at least one dead in every house. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. It wasn't the next morning, it was that night. I mean, as soon as he saw what Moses had told him earlier. Moses had told him, your firstborn will be killed. Pharaoh didn't pay attention or didn't believe it, and now it had happened. So he didn't waste any time. (laughs) He was scared. He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up, get out of bed. If you're in bed, they weren't in bed. They were standing waiting. 
with a vigil, knowing what was about to happen. So they had their shoes on and their staff in their hand and dressed and ready to go. But Pharaoh didn't know that. So he told them, get out of bed and go. Get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Eternal, as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. <laughs> Here's a man who's just lost his son. He knows the source. He knows the reason. And he says, get out of here. And he even acknowledged that God was involved because he said, bless me also. Whether I repent or not, I still want blessed. It's like people today in America saying, God bless America. You hear it all the time and they get sung. Why in the world would God bless America today? He says he's going to curse America. I can't sing that song anymore. God bless America. Unless I'm thinking about the millennium, maybe. But not now. We're a nation of crooks and murderers and fraudsters and liars, adulterers and idolaters. And all the Ten Commandments we break regularly, and it's our culture and it's our society. Not only do we murder, but we kill unborn babies and just-born babies. We're perverted, transgendered and homosexual and everything else you can name. Everything diabolically opposed to God is what America is. And then Americans still want to sing, God bless America. No way. No way. He's going to curse America. And we're going into captivity very shortly now. The drums of war are getting louder and louder every day. Verse 33, And the Mitzriamites were urgent upon the people. They didn't say, Bye-bye, see you later. They were urgent upon them that they might send them out of the land in haste. Get out of here and get out now before we all be dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened. Now we're beginning to see this isn't talking about unleavened turnips or water or beer. It's about bread, dough. Before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. Uh, my note says the, he the Hebrew word here is not kneading troughs, but dough. It says the people took their dough before it was leavened, their dough being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. It's all about the bread of life. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they spoiled of the Egyptians, or Mitzrayimites, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and clothes. And the Eternal gave the people favor in the sight of the Ephraimites, so that they lent to them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Mitzrayimites. So they didn't even hardly have to ask, go, go now, here, take my jewelry with you, get out of here. Go away. Like having a mosquito around your head when you're out camping in the middle of the night. 
And oh, you want that mosquito to go away. And you slap and you slap and nearly knock your head in and you can't get rid of the mosquito because it dives away and you can't hit it. That's the way they wanted these people to go. Take anything you want, just go. Verse 37, the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. We've done a little math and figured there had to be at least three and a half million of them. 600,000, if you had 600,000 women, that's a million and two. And uh, two kids per family, there's three million, you know, right there, real easy. And Israelites probably had more than two. So it could have been five, six, seven, eight million. Who knows? A lot of people. Not only that, a mixed multitude went up also with them. 600,000 Israelites plus men and women plus who knows how much of a mixed multitude. You know, some of the Mitzrayimites had a good attitude toward the Israelites. We read that yesterday or the day before. Uh, and they may have decided, you know, I think their God's a little more powerful than our God's, and these people aren't having the plagues after the third one like we are, and now they're leaving. Maybe we better go with them. <laughs> so a mixed multitude went with them, including very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes. All right. Maybe unleavened bread isn't in the Hebrew. I don't care. The whole context is dough, lumps, cakes, bread product. They baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Mitzrayim, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Mitzrayim and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any food. So they'd been busy the night before getting the Passover killed, getting it cooked, getting their stuff ready, and then waiting, and they hadn't leavened their dough. So they left with it. You know what? I suspect they took their leavening agent with them. They hadn't had time to let it rise, so come morning they were hungry. They went ahead and baked it unleavened. But uh, how were they going to leaven it later, after the seven days were over? Maybe they could have started some sourdough again. That's possible. So who knows whether they actually took the leavening agent with them or not. But they certainly weren't to bake unleavened, I mean, bake leavened cakes or dough. Uh, and the way they were thrust out, they didn't have time to let it rise. Of course, God planned that because he was going to use unleavened bread in the New Testament as a symbol of Christ's body, the bread of life. So it's all about bread. Don't let anybody tell you it's anything other than that. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Eternal went out from the land of Mitzrayim. See, when Jacob had gone down there where Joseph was, 
the Passover had not been instituted. But God saw to it that he arrived on Passover day. It was when he went into Mitzrayim. And 430 years to the day later, they left Mitzrayim. That 430 years is important. I think I've uh, told you a little bit about the colony in Roanoke, uh, North Carolina. Interesting, there are a couple of former Worldwide Church of God headquarters in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, there is somebody who's supposed to be from the north who comes from the east out here uh, to lead. Wouldn't it be interesting if there is a church headquarters in North Carolina uh, where perhaps the first permanent colony that came from uh, England or Anglo-Saxony is in the same area? (laughs) Wouldn't that be interesting? But I looked it up again the other day, and that Roanoke colony, they tried to establish, and it didn't work at all, and they all left. Then they came back on July 22nd, guess what year? 587. 587. This is 2017, which is exactly 430 years later. What happened, and that colony apparently was successful. It got moved. But they came back to check on the people, and everybody was gone. But bad weather came up, and they never even went to look for them to see where they'd gone. But they had talked about moving the colony before the Armada sailed back to England. And they said that they would leave a sign on a tree and the Croatian Indians were the ones that they were going back and forth with. So when that, they came back to check on them about four years later, initialed in the tree was C-R-O, Croatians. And they had made a deal with the captain before he went back to England when he left them there that if they were under pressure or attacked, and were forced to leave, they would put a cross on the tree. And there was no cross on the tree. So they apparently left on their own steam and moved the colony, even as they had talked about doing to a better place. Now, what are the implications here? I find it interesting that uh, 1953 was the year the Bilderbergers were organized, and they have made it very clear that their goal and their purpose is globalism. That they intend to have a world-ruling empire. That they've said themselves. That's not a conspiracy theory. They are a very powerful organization today and have annual meetings in Switzerland or wherever they decide to have them each year. Uh, So the Bilderbergers, the reason I'm bringing this up is Isaiah uh, 7 talks about the um, conspiracy to destroy Israel, or destroy Judah that was between Syria and Israel back then. And then he tells us that a son, Emmanuel, will be born to us later in the chapter. And he says the other sign would be that Ephraim would be destroyed, that it be not a nation within 65 years. 
And I've wondered, where did that 65 years fit, and what event was he talking about that would start the clock on the 65 years? Well, the Bilderbergers got together and had a meeting and formed what they intend to become a world-ruling government, and part of their plan was to kill all white folks. That's becoming obvious today, is it not? The rest of the world wants Anglo-Saxons, white people, Israelites, gone from the face of the earth. That's what they want. Chinese, the Ishmaelites, Arabs, they're all bent upon destroying us. They're invading our countries right now in order to take them over and to destroy Europe and destroy America. And we've seen a few attacks by Muslims here, and even some in the last couple, three, four days. It's going to get much, much worse, mark my words, because Ishmael is a wild ass of a man who hates Israel, <laughs> hated Isaac, just as Jacob, Esau hated Jacob. So, if you go from 1953 uh, and count 65 years, you come to 2017. If you see the first uh, colony organized in America and count 430, you come to July 22nd, 2017. I think that's very interesting. Uh, remember Amos' declaration about the basket of summer fruit? And there would be no more delay. I mentioned that last, late last summer, thinking, well, you know, maybe. Uh, but it seems to fit more now. Now, what happened to the Mitzrayimite empire at the end of 430 years? It was destroyed. It was almost destroyed when they left Passover night. The end of the, on the seventh day, the whole army and Pharaoh were killed in the Red Sea. So the Mitzrayimite Empire was essentially destroyed and defunct by the time Israel left there. Now, if these numbers fit together, and this is indeed the year, then America will be destroyed before the 65 years is complete. That means this year, 64 plus. And it also means that the Babylonian American Empire will also, which represents sin and Mitzrayim as well, will also be destroyed this year. How do you like them apples? This could be a very pivotal year. And now we have dialogue going back and forth between China, Russia, the United States, North Korea, Syria, Iran, that are leading up to World War III. But it says the woman, that was America, the modern Babylon, she's not, she's not the righteous mother of Israel at this point. She's a whore who's been whoring with the rest of the nations of the world, and she's been riding the beast. That's, that's not a lady sitting on a horse. It's a sexual connotation of a woman straddling the beast, is what it is. And in that position, she controls the situation. 
but the beast and the false prophet hate her and will kill her. So before World War and the global thing takes over, America has to be gotten rid of. We're the only thing standing in the way of their new world order. And our leaders will sell us out, and I think are at this moment, have been for years, but it's being finalized. So expect martial law, civil war, and then the destruction of this nation very shortly. And those numbers may all fit together, and it could very well be this year. So, if the gathering comes after Passover, as seems maybe to be the case in Isaiah 52 and 53, could it be by July 22nd, the same day that the colony was established, the colony is destroyed, and God's people begin to gather? Because he says they'll gather just ahead of the northern army there in Jeremiah 50 and 51. They'll be running, looking for Zion ahead of the northern army. And the world war drums are beating very, very loudly right now. We don't know who's going to set off what. It could happen any moment, any day now. So things are imminent, and our financial collapse is getting very, very close. You may have noted that many, many, many big nationwide chains are shutting stores left and right, laying people off. It's reaching epidemic levels. So uh, a lot of factors here. I'm not going to spend the rest of the night on that. But uh, be aware. Be prepared. Be praying. Be getting close to God because... He is our only salvation when all this hits. He's, he's it. So be aware. I'm not trying to sit here and make prophecies tonight. I'm just putting some very interesting things together that could pan out to be very, very real. No more delay comes at the time of a summer harvest which every year Amos was talking about. So they came out the self-same day they went in 430 years later. Is that just coincidence that the first permanent colony was here 430 years ago this summer? That's just unreal. And that an organization with its express goal to have a global worldwide government apart from the Anglo-Saxons in Israel and the United States, which is in the process of being destroyed now. And here we are almost 65 years later, and he says before 65 years, we will not be a nation. Is that, is that the right event in the right year? Very well could be. Could be this year, before 65 is reached. Okay, it is a night to be much observed. When is? The self-same day that you left the land of Mitzrayim. When was that? Midnight on the 14th. That night is a night to be much observed. That's the night everything happened. That's the night that's the memorial. That's the night that this all occurred. 
unto the Eternal for bringing them out from the land of Mitzrayim. This is that night. The night he brought them out. This is that night of the Eternal to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. The only way I can see her, how Herbert Armstrong missed this is that he had been following, as he learned about Passover and unleavened bread and all that, he immediately turned to the Jews and saw what they were doing. So he was going to do it the way the Jews did. They were supposedly, to him at that point, the authority. So he would have looked at what they did. But then he made an interesting study and saw that it happened at the beginning of the 14th. So he says, well, we've got to keep the Passover at the beginning of the 14th, and then we'll do the rest like the Jews. I don't think he really read this in, in between carefully. Obviously he didn't. He was a smart man. <laughs> he must just have glossed. Have you ever glossed over anything in the Bible, not read it, not noticed what it was really saying? I have many, many, many times. And then after the hundredth reading, I say, what? I never noticed that before. <laughs> I think God caused this not to come out until now for his reasons and his purposes. But that was the night. Verse 43, the Eternal said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. Still talking about the same day, night of the Passover. Therefore shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant that is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. So you had to be a bona fide Israelite via circumcision uh, in order to take the Passover. That's why we require baptism before uh, wine and bread. Circumcised of the heart, converted. Same, same thing. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. You shall not carry forth anything of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall you break a bone thereof. Christ did not have any bones broken. He had the flesh stripped off so that he could count his bones, he says in, in, in the psalm. But he did not have any bones broken. And so they were not to break any bones of that Passover lamb. It's a direct type of Christ. And his flesh wasn't to be carried anywhere else either. Just as we keep the Passover, and we alone keep the Passover for converted members of God's church, and we don't spread it out to others. His blood, his bread, is only for his converted people that he's called out. It's that simple. Everything here is a direct reflection of New Testament instruction. That's why only bread is involved again, not other stuff. That which is leavened and rises. But once they're circumcised, then let them keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. And of course, that equates as well to Israel first and then the Gentile. Uh, God did not open salvation to the Gentiles immediately, but then he had Peter and Paul get involved with them a little later, and then they had to be circumcised of the heart, and they were grafted in there in Romans 11, so that they were absolutely part of Israel. There's no difference. I mean, people 
like to think, well, I have Israelite blood and I'm a son of David and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. You can be blacker than the ace of spades and be exactly the same as a 100% pure blood physical Israelite. You can be as yellow as what? This wall. And still be a full blood Israelite. Racism and race do not enter into the spiritual equation whatsoever. It says right here very clearly, uh, One law shall be to him that is home-born unto the stranger that sojourns among you. So they were to be equal in every way as one born in the land, born of Israelite blood. Okay? We have no room whatsoever for any form of racism within the body of Christ. None. Get over it. <laughs> if you have a problem. And that goes both ways. The fair-skinned cannot have any racism toward any other color, and any other color can't have racism in reverse. It works both ways. Whoever you are, whatever color you are, get over it. That's what God says. You graft a branch into a tree... It becomes part of that tree. It's the same. And the same law applies. Verse 49. One law shall be to him that is home-born and unto him that sojourns among you. There's no room for Sharia, Sharia law in our country. No room whatsoever. What law should govern our country? God's law. This Bible. Sharia law does not include the Bible. <laughs> so there is a statement right there that allowing Sharia law in here is clearly against God's will. Don't let the wrong people say hear you say that because, oh, that's not politically correct. Well, it's God's Word. <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Eternal commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And I'm not trying to just pick on the Muslims with Sharia law, Chinese law, or Russian law, or law of the jungle, or any other law other than the law of God, is not to be here. That includes global law that isn't from the Bible. Don't take their mark. So it came to pass the self-same day, we're still talking about the 14th, we haven't gone forward here at all, that the Eternal did bring the children out of Israel, out of the land of Mitzrayim, by their armies. So they left their homes that night, and they headed pell-mell away from there, from Ramses, where they were, uh, to, well, where was it, uh, Succoth, there they got organized and started marching the next day. Now, a point I made in the article as well when I wrote about the Passover is these people had been up a long, long time by then. They had slept at the end of the 12th, night of beginning of the 13th, okay? They got up in the morning on the 13th, 
And then they worked all day, and they killed the Passover at evening, so there's about 12 hours. Then they stayed up till midnight in a vigil and were thrust out. So that takes you to the morning of the 14th. There's 24 hours they've been up, approximately. Then they traveled all day until that night when they got to suck off. By that point, they had been frenetically busy and emotionally on a high of all kinds, ups and downs, for 36 hours. If you go 18 or 19 hours without sleep, you start getting cranky. You want your 8 out of 24, or whatever, 7 or 9, or whatever it is. But they had been up and very, very busy and were bone-dead tired by the beginning of the 15th. So now it was time to have a party and laugh and sing and cut up and have a big meal. You bet. Don't anybody make a noise. If you wake me up, you die. Would have been the attitude. Give us a break. <laughs> that couldn't have been the situation. Anyway, getting down to chapter 13 now. In the eternal, that's the end of his instruction to the elders, and then that happened. And the eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. He had just killed all the firstborn of Mitzrayim. And now he says, all of you who are my chosen people, I want your firstborn sanctified to me. It's the same with tithe. The first tithe is his. He then assigns it to the ministry. Uh, but when he draws his 10% people to a place of gathering to build his temple, it's going to be 10%. Isaiah 6, end of the chapter, I think it is. 4 or 6. He gets his tithe first. And there's another place where he says that even here in the end, to give his tithe to the Levites. Anyway, uh, he is going to have his tenth. There are so many arguments against Tithing being done away, you know, it's just part of his whole system always has been. He didn't do away with it. Anyway, firstborn's mine. Is Christ the first of the firstborn? He's the father's. Are we? Was he the firstborn of many brethren? Yes. If we're some of those firstborn, we belong to God will be the bride of Christ. And once you get past the firstborn, the first fruits, 144,000 only, Revelation 7, then the rest aren't firstborn. So God is sanctifying the firstborn to himself in ancient Israel and again in the New Testament. This story here and the New Testament are direct mirror images of each other. The types are all perfectly aligned. It's just you go from a physical to a spiritual meaning. That's the only difference. 
Well, the actors on the stage are different, but what I mean is the, the story is the same. Anyway, verse 3, Moses said uh, to the people, Remember this day. Which day were they to remember? The 15th? Remember this day in which you came out from Mitzrayim, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Eternal brought you out from this place, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. No leavened bread to be eaten on the day he brought them out. And he did bring them out by night. He's very clear. He says that two or three different types. I brought you out by night on the 14th. And that is the day that you start eating unleavened bread. And it's the same day you came out of bondage by strength of God's hand. His hand smoked the firstborn, and that is what got them out. They didn't leave on the 15th. There's no event here that occurred on the 15th that by the hand of God delivered them. The event that occurred when God delivered them by a powerful hand was the striking of all the firstborn of the Mitzrayimites, and they were thrust out immediately that night. How could this be any clearer? <laughs> How did I misunderstand it for 50 years or more? This day came you out in the month of Abib. Night to be observed, night to be remembered, Night to be sanctified, holy convocation, feast, and ordinance forever. We had not even got to the 15th yet. This is the day you came out in the month Abib. And it shall be when the Eternal shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore unto your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Still keep it in Abib, which is, equates roughly with April. Land of milk and honey. A blessed land. That's America. It ain't the Middle East. Sorry. And are we not? I think right here in the Utah area, we are among the Ammonites, the Moabites, uh, and the Amorites, and maybe others as well. Break it down. Amorite, a more man. An ite, a man of more. More man, mormon. <laughs> Does it get any closer to a root than that? Are they the Mormon of the New Testament? Now it says there in Isaiah 15 and 16, that all the things that the Ammonites and Moabites have stored up would be given to God's called out ones. Who stores food? Morites. Ammonites and Moabites. And that's who he says laid up the storage for us. Where's the promised land? Right here. Where are the Mormons that stored up the stuff for us? Right here. The Ammonites and Moabites were the uh, perverted uh, 
children of Lot and his daughters. Who is known more than anyone else on earth for molesting their daughters? Mormons. Are they Moabites and Ammonites? Now, they're kin to Israel, but they're not Israelites. Uh, Lot was uh, Abraham's nephew, wasn't it? So, same family, but a different line. So that's why you have a lot of these blonde, blue-eyed, Israelite-looking Mormons. So they're the same family, but they're not Israelites. Don't tell them that, though. They would not like to hear that. You would be cast out immediately. Now, they may have some Israelite blood. I don't know how much mixture there's been, but I think probably the preponderance of them are Ammonites, Moabites, and maybe Amorites, and who knows, maybe a little Hivite and Hittite mixed in. Hard to say. But that seems to be the biblical implication anyway. Uh, So they would go into those people's land. Well... That was here then, because they went into the promised land. So those people were living in this area at that time, and they're here at the end time, they're in the same land. Six, verse six, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Now we've already seen you have to start on the first day. But you don't have eight. And in the seventh day shall be a feast to the eternal. So seven days, and he said very clearly, the fourteenth through the twentieth. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with you. Neither shall there be leavened bread implied seen with you in all your quarters. Remember, cake, lump, as it says in First Corinthians 5, and dough. So it's talking about bread, not anything else. It's the bread that represents Christ, not anything else. Unleavened water doesn't get it. And you shall show your son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Eternal did to me when I came forth out of Mitzrayim. And it shall be for a sign to you upon your hand, and for memorial between your eyes, and the eternal's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand has the eternal brought you out of Mitzrayim. Therefore shall you keep this ordinance in his season from year to year. It was a law, it was a memorial, it was also a feast that day. That's, and he mentions the mighty hand again, strong hand. That's the hand that killed the firstborn not something that was wielded on the 15th as they tried to stay awake till bedtime uh, when they got where they had headed at Succoth. There was no mighty power, no mighty hand that night. They got up the next morning and started their journey from there. They had gathered there. Then they got in ranks of five and ten and a hundred and marched out in an organized fashion. Well, I'm out of time. So let's stop right there at verse 10 and pick it up tomorrow.